The 10-Minute Writers' Workshop is supported by Heinemann, a provider of resources written by real teachers for real classrooms. Heinemann values teachers as decision makers and students as curious learners. Discover the path to lifelong professional learning at Heinemann.com. Heinemann, dedicated to teachers. This is Jonathan Lethem with the 10-Minute Writers' Workshop. And I'm Virginia Prescott. Jonathan Lethem is the best-selling author of Gun with Occasional Music, Fortress of Solitude, and other novels, including the National Book Critics Circle Award-winning Motherless Brooklyn. He's known for reanimating and remixing genres, hard-boiled crime novels, post-apocalyptic science fiction, superhero comics, and even technicolor westerns. His most recent novel is called A Gambler's Anatomy. It's about a high-stakes, competitive backgammon player and con artist, a character who, like Lethem, was raised in the bohemian Brooklyn of the 1970s. We reached him in the much more gentrified and contemporary Brooklyn and asked, which is easier to write, the first sentence or the last? I think the first is the hardest. I certainly generate and discard more bad first sentences and, and first paragraphs to books. You know, that's often a months-long process, really looking for that first step that gets you into the book. Not to say the last sentence isn't important, but usually somewhere, you know, in the course of the writing of a book, it sort of floats into your head. It's given to you, and then you, you know, put it in your pocket and save it for that last minute. So uh, one is, you know, moving a boulder up a mountain. The other is the flower you find on top of that mountain once you've gotten up there. Do you do a lot of plotting or planning before you even set out to write? That varies for me. I, I've tended to improvise more than plan, but even when you do a certain amount of outlining or you know plotting or draw a map or a, a chart or some, some other kind of image of what the book is shaped like, every day is improvisational. You know, you have to make so many decisions on the spot and on the fly. For me, that predominant feeling of what it is to, to tell a story is, is to be you know, kind of a method actor, feeling your way in. Do you work on a schedule? Well, a very simple one. I like to write every day, and I don't otherwise concern myself for how long. I don't count minutes on the clock or, or you know, words or pages or paragraphs. I just try to make contact with the project in some meaningful way every single day, and then the rest kind of takes care of itself. What do you do when it's not working? Is there a way that you open yourself up for inspiration or seek it out? <laughs> I load the dishwasher, <laughs> I watch movies, I go for a bike ride. I mean, I don't find it very useful to, you know, pretend to <laughs> to be in a better position than I'm in. I don't like to write bad scenes or bad sentences or, you know, I don't end up with a lot of discarded material and outtakes because I've been writing in the wrong direction. Usually when I, I feel I'm at an impasse, it's very clear to me, and I don't like to put a single foot wrong if I can help it. I just stop and wait. The forms that waiting can take, they can be relatively monastic and sober. I can sit there with my, you know, fists clenched, you know, lighting a candle and drawing some kind of uh, mystic pentagram on the floor and, and <laughs> opening the window and hoping inspiration will fly in. Or I can go and do something practical. But in, in the end, I think it's all just waiting. There's something that's going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. So is there a best environment for you, you know, um close to a pentagram on the floor, or, you know, someplace that you like to write and you put certain things on your desk, or what is on your desk? Right now, it's got a, a walking desk in it. I kind of tread while I write. And um, 
I need books around me. I usually have some shelves that are, you know, that I can reach so I can pull books off the shelf and read someone else's words and dream a little or read a little without getting too far away from my own project. I like to listen to music, so there's usually some sort of easy format, a CD player or headphones connected to a big file of MP3s. And a snack is good. It's nice to have a snack. Keeping yourself in the writing scene means making it a comfortable place, not too austere, not too ascetic. Do you share your writing as you're working on it? Not much as I'm working on it. I occasionally will peel off a few pages or, or a, a chapter and send it to someone, just an invitation to say whether I'm barking up the right tree or not. And that would happen early in the project. But once I'm secure in my plan, once I've got the voice of the book, I pretty much self-rely from then on until I'm ready to deliver a finished something. I don't really care to show a book off until I think it's working because the point is to, you know, to put your would-be critic or your would-be editor in the position of the happy reader, ideally. Did it take some time to get there to that point where you knew when it was working? The confidence of a novice is a really weird, tenuous thing. You have to construct this vanity before it's appropriate, where you're sort of like, I'm I'm great, this is fantastic, it's all, it's all clicking, because otherwise you really can't write at all. And so there's a way in which the proposition of sitting there and making something out of nothing and daring to ask anyone else to read it requires that you exaggerate its importance and exaggerate your capabilities in a really silly way, in retrospect, a very silly way. There's this person who doesn't exist yet, <laughs> the accomplished writer, and you're trying to become him. But the only way to do it is to, uh, is to think, I've got something really great here. This is just magnificent. And then people, you know, burst the bubble. Your vanity is cut back to size. But it's important that it reinvigorate, that it reinflate easily, too, or you'll, you, you know, you really, I can't say this enough, you won't do anything. And so I was a sort of comical figure at the beginning. I would, on one level, know that I needed help. I needed people to read it and help me fix it and tell me what was wrong with it. But another part of me sort of thought that I was probably writing a masterpiece from the very first moment. What is the best advice about writing that you ever got? The simplest and the one that I'll I'll write in people's books when they're having me sign a copy of my own book and they, they want me to give them some writing advice is keep writing. Really, it's just duration. It's staying at it. It's being that person I was just describing who somehow imagines that they're any good before they are. As a slight elaboration of that, I would say try different things. You know, don't sit there and grind away at one story idea or one novel manuscript from the very beginning with this kind of rigid, adamant idea that, well, this is the kind of writer I am, and this is a very good project, and I'm going to get it right. I think it's much healthier to uh, proliferate, because I think you'll develop a lot more quickly if you're if you're more playful, more versatile, and if you experience the, the trajectory of writing a beginning, a middle, and an end more frequently. It would be much better, for instance, to write 12 different kind of half-assed drafts of short stories than it would be to grind away at 12 drafts of the same single idea. Is there a book or work that made you decide you want to be a writer? I think you studied painting or art, didn't you, in college? Yeah, I began as a as a visual artist, and I had a big kind of head start in that, in that my father is a painter, and I grew up, you know, with his studio in our house and taking his creative act, you know, as a given. It was something really attractive to me, but it also seemed really normal, like something 
a regular person could decide to do. And when I switched and and realized I wanted to work with language and narrative instead, in a way, the things that I'd been developing as an apprentice painter were an incredible head start for me because I already believed in myself as a creative person. I thought, yeah, I'm allowed to do this, and it's not preposterous that I could spend my life, you know, making stuff. In terms of inspiration, I think there's a number of writers I encountered very early on, and I've cited them ritually, and I'll do it for you again. You know, Graham Greene and Philip K. Dick and Shirley Jackson and Raymond Chandler and then Kafka when I came across Kafka. For whatever reason, these were the pivotal encounters for me that made me not just, you know, love their books, but in some way want to find out about who they were. And even further, I wanted to kind of become them. I wanted to climb into their skins. I began identifying with the idea of the author. Do you have a desert island book that you would want to have with you? Well, right. Uh, so you've got to take a really big one, right? <laughs> and um, and it should probably be one that has some humanity in it because you're going to be missing humanity. Uh, and there's no point in sitting on a desert island and, and being misanthropic since there's no one there to hate. So I'd probably pick some kind of gargantuan, embracing thing like uh, Anthony Pohl's uh, Dance to the Music of Time or, or Proust or, I don't know, some you know one of Dickens' biggest books, Bleak House or Our Mutual Friend. Do you have a fantasy job, Jonathan, other than being a writer? You know, I used to be a bookseller, and I'd probably just default. It seems really prosaic. You know, it's like the next best thing. I really love being in the stacks. I really love shelving old, dusty volumes of, you know, semi-forgotten novels. So I'd probably do that. Um, you know, it's certainly something I'm qualified to do, and there isn't much else. Jonathan Leatham, thank you so much for speaking with us. You bet. Thank you. And that job, shelving secondhand books, led The Guardian to call Jonathan Lethem fiction's answer to Quentin Tarantino. Jonathan Lethem is the best-selling author most recently of A Gambler's Anatomy. The 10-Minute Writers' Workshop is a production of NHPR, produced by Sarah Plourd with help from Maureen McMurray. You can find us on Facebook and at 10 Minute Writers on Twitter. You can subscribe on iTunes or on Google Play and get instant writing practice by leaving a review. Here's one from Mo Poppins, who called the 10-Minute Writers Workshop Process in Pill Form. Really like that one, and we're going to roll with it, but we'd love to hear yours. We have 32 reviews right now and have a goal of getting to 50 by the next episode. You know, it's a new year. You're supposed to have goals. So please get those writing muscles working. Until next time, this is Virginia Prescott with the 10-Minute Writers Workshop.